South Metro. Come on, where are you at? Does anybody love Jesus here today? Come on. The Bible says today is the day that the Lord has made. So don't get mad. Don't get sad. Rejoice and get glad in it. That means God is going to do something in your life today. Today is the day of your miracle. Today is the day of your breakthrough. If you believe that, I believe you're going to begin to see and experience that in a way you've never thought before, dreamed before. What? better Sunday than Pentecost Sunday for you to get your miracle. Come on. What better day than Pentecost Sunday for you to get a fresh touch that will become the catalyst for the rest of your journey with God. I, I, I'm so excited to be here today. I, I can't even explain how giddy I am on the inside. I love it. I, I love your, your pastors. Let me just say I would be remiss if I didn't take just a moment right now to honor them. Come on, let's thank God for Pastor JC and Kimberly Worley and all that they have done over the years at this church and at Go in D.C. And now to see this beautiful biblical uh, picture and model of transition and the mantle of leadership to lead this church in this region in this season. Man, I appreciate you guys. I, I love you guys. I, I just am so uh, cognizant of the fact that you guys are called to this, and I'm just excited as a friend to watch you walk in this new season. Can you thank God for him one more time? Come on, don't you love him? Don't you appreciate him? I've preached in this building before when you were a youth pastor, like the day before you went to D.C., and I prophesied and said, this is not from the Lord. You will be back. Just kidding. That never happened. But wouldn't that have been cool? Because then, you know, and never mind. It's so cool because this is not just my second time preaching here, but I have been a friend of your, your pastors for a number of years, and we text often and talk and ask how one another is doing. And I just think I feel kind of like not a guest speaker today, but like I am part of the family. Is that all right? I just want to preach to you like I'm part of the family here, and I'm just going to go ahead and adopt myself into the family at South Metro, and today is going to be awesome. I, I apologize. I didn't bring my family with me. They actually just went to the beach, and they're waiting on me to get there this afternoon, this evening, but I have a picture of them. I want you to see my beautiful bride, Heather, right there, and that's my little boy, Zion, and my little princess, Graceland. They are the joy of my life, and we're still trying to get Zion saved, but one day he will come to Jesus. We, we are certain of this. We uh, have been called into full-time evangelistic ministry over a decade of youth pastoring, pastoring young adults, and traveling around uh, the nation and other parts of the world ministering, but God called us to step full into this role of being evangelist. So it's a new season for us to continue to keep us in your prayers. In fact, one of the things that I recently started, something brand new, I started a YouTube channel. I want to throw that up for you in case you want to check it out. One of the things that people have said to me over the years is, we wish we could just see more of what you do, not just the sermons, not just those things, but like when you're traveling and ministering to people and praying for people behind the scenes and, and seeing these different miracles, different regions of our country, these different kinds of events. And so I started a vlog and some other videos. Maybe you'll want to check it out. It's really simple. Just youtube.com slash Daniel Gray. Check that out if you would. I have something from the word of God. Is that all right? John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1 through verse 7 in the NIV translation is what I'll be reading from today. It says, as he went along, he, he being Jesus, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Hold up. Stop. Already in verse 1, I just have to thank God that even when I can't see him, he always sees me. 
Is anybody like me? Have you ever felt like God didn't see what you were dealing with? Have you ever, like Abram, when he was in the tent trying to get Sarah pregnant because God promised him offspring, but nothing was happening? And one time Abram said this to God. He said, look, I still don't have a child. Have you ever felt like God just didn't see you? Or have you ever felt like you didn't see him? Have you ever looked at your situation, looked at your family, looked at the things you've been praying for, and it seems like God, like, didn't get your email, didn't get your text message? Like, God, you, don't you see me? I don't see you in this situation, but I've been hoping and praying and believing, and here I am, unable to see you moving. God says, just give me a moment, because I'm working where you can't see me. Miracle worker, way maker. He's always moving, even when I can't see him. He never stops. He never stops. Even when you can't see him working, he's working in your life. He saw a man blind. He saw him. It goes on, verse 2. It says his disciples asked him about this man who was not just blind, but born blind. Look at the question they ask him. They say, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned here? This man or was it his mom and them, his parents? Somebody had to have sinned because he was born blind. This is terrible, Jesus. Verse 3. Jesus replies and says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Somebody say, so that. He said, this happened so that the work of God could be displayed. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Jesus says, night is coming when no one can work. But while I am here in the darkness, here in the world, look at what he says. I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. No, he didn't. And verse 7 says, go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I want to talk to you for a moment from the subject, from the thought. Just add water. Just add water. Let's pray. Awesome God, it's in Jesus' name I approach you now asking in boldness and confidence as I approach that throne of grace to to ask you that you would have your way in this place. I pray that God, in my flesh I would decrease in such a way that your spirit could increase. Stand up big in me right now and preach this word through my lips of clay so that people would be able to experience not just revelation but the unsearchable riches of Christ that build us up, that edify us, that strengthen us. Devil, we speak to you once, just once, because that's all you're worth. We say you have no position no place, no authority. In fact, devil, we want to remind you here at South Metro on Pentecost Sunday morning that the only place you belong is under our feet. So God, we decree and declare that some of us will leave this place today changed and transformed by your word. Do what only you can do. Have your way in this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And some of with faith said, Amen. amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I love this story. First and foremost, we see someone who's dealing with affliction. This man is blind, unable to see. But not just blind, he was born blind, born without a vision, born into a struggle, which makes me feel for this man because this means he didn't do anything to earn this, to deserve this, as it were. He was born into the affliction. 
And that makes me feel for him because it's one thing to have to deal with ramifications of your own actions or your own decisions. But it's a whole other thing when you have to deal with stuff that really were out of your control. Have you ever had to deal with things that just happened? Have you ever felt like you were doing what you were supposed to do and you were trying to do the right thing, trying to draw closer to God in your relationship with him, but, but in the middle of that you look around and it seems like things have, have only gotten worse. Have you ever felt like you just were dealing with something and you're trying to figure out am I to blame, is someone else to blame, this is where the disciples are. Because this man was born blind, so they say to Jesus, they call him rabbi, they, they refer to him as teacher because they're trying to learn something about the situation, but they approach him with the wrong questions because they ask, who sinned? They were making the point sin. They were not making the point what God could do in the midst of it. See, here's what I want you to see. When people get religious, they start trying to affix blame instead of affixing the problem. What really needs to be changed? What really needs to be touched? The, the issue here is that someone needs something from God, but they're trying to blame someone in Jesus. I love Jesus. Jesus is so awesome. He says neither. It's not even about that. It's not about sin. It's not about who messed up because all y'all know y'all crazy. He says neither, and he shifts the whole thing. He says, but this happened so that the work of my father could be displayed in his life. Watch this. I love that two-word phrase, so that. This is what's called a purpose clause, which really, to make it quite simple, it means this. Everything that happens before that purpose clause, those two words, so that, is not the purpose. But everything that comes after it is. So the purpose clause is, 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 a, is a transition. Everything that is before it is only the means to get to everything that comes after it. So the point is not before, the point is after. What did Jesus say? Yes, this happened. So that. So what's the purpose? So that the work of God could be displayed in his life. See, you have to understand that there are things that you will go through because God wants to get you to the purpose. The purpose is not the pain and the tears you've cried. The purpose is not the agony and the pain that you've had to walk through. The purpose is not the struggle. No, the purpose is that while you're walking through the struggle, you will be strengthened enough to go to a higher level on the other side of the mountain that you're walking up right now. Ah, uh, Abram wants to preach to me because I remember when Abraham was taking his one and only son Isaac up one side of the mountain because he was ordered by God, take what you love most and sacrifice it. And as Abram was walking up that mountain, going through probably one of the hardest journeys of his life, going to kill his only son, his promised son, he was walking up the mountain on this side, walking through something that seems like, how could this happen to me? Why would God ask me to do this? This is what he promised me. But you have to know that on the other side of the mountain, there was a ram on his way up as well. So every time Abram and Isaac took a step toward the altar, the ram, which was the provision on this side, took a step toward the altar. Because while you are sacrificing what you love most on the altar, God has provision. See, this is what I love about God, is that he is a preparer. We call him a way maker. But God makes ways before there's ever a need. See, the enemy thought he won when Jesus died on the cross, you know, but he forgot to read Revelation. 
Because Revelation says that God had a lamb slain from the foundation of the world, which means Christ was crucified before Mary was pregnant. Uh, this is eternal language. God already has provision. God has already made a way for you. And while you are walking through the hardest times and the most intense difficulties, you have to know that there is a purpose on the other side of your pain. Can I get a witness? There is strength that is coming from the struggle. God says, I'm going to take all of this. And I'm going to use it. Why? So that I get the glory from it. See, God wants the glory from your story. God wants to get the applause. God wants to get the praise. God wants to receive the worship. Because what he's doing in your life, hear me, it's going to blow people's minds. People are going to look at you. People who know how you used to talk, how you used to act, how you used to think, where you used to go, the clubs you used to frequent, the things you used to smell like. And they're going to look at you and say, man, you went through a lot of stuff. But if God could pull you out of the fire. If God could pull you out of the pit, if God could do it for you, then maybe he can do it for me. Do I have any people who have been through the fire, but God was your thermostat in the midst of the fire? Every time you almost gave up, he gave you a little bit more grace. He gave you a little bit more strength. Yeah. Yeah, I've been walking through it, but God's taking me to it. Uh, what you thought was your stumbling block is about to become your stepping stone. Oh, yeah, you thought it was going to take you out, but hear me, it's about to take you into your purpose, your calling, and your destiny. God is up to something in your life. Yeah, yeah. Slap somebody and say there's a purpose to it. Find somebody else because they didn't believe you. Find somebody else and say, hey, somebody else, there's a purpose to this thing. See, he's got us on a journey so that his glory could be revealed. See, here's the problem with us is oftentimes we, we decide who's winning our battles based on what it looks like. So oftentimes we will chalk up our losses and say the devil's winning in this area of my life because of what we can see with our natural vision. And so we said, that's it. He, he wins. But I want to encourage you that you're more than what we would call an optimist. Optimist is glass is half full. Pessimist is half empty. But if you're a faithist, the glass is overflowing. So no matter what happens, there's more than enough. There's more provision, I, I believe. See, see, Winston Churchill, I believe it was, said a quote that has been requoted by several different people over, historic, over history. And you can read, if you Google this, you'll find they'll attribute this quote to several different people. But, but what I love about this quote is that it really speaks to perspective. Winston Churchill said it this way. A negative thinker will see a difficulty in every opportunity. A positive thinker will see an opportunity in every difficulty. And that quote is used in business seminars where they're not even talking about the Holy Spirit. What about those of you who aren't just going through human efforts by your human spirit, but you are walking through life according to the Holy Spirit? Should you not be able to look at something that looks hopeless and know that there's still hope? The hardest times in my life were the greatest platforms for God to show up. And I'm still walking in that today. See, it looked bad even at the cross. The very crux and foundation of what we believe today and why we worship him as our king, as our Mashiach, the Messiah, the one sent from God to save all of humanity. We worship him because of what he did on the cross. He died on the cross. We know it was good that he died on the cross because we know what happened a few days later. We even call the day a good day. We call it Good Friday. We celebrate on Easter because he resurrected. But if you would have been there when it happened, 
talking to some of those disciples at the foot of the cross, weeping, mourning, because Jesus had been brutalized. Jesus had been, his flesh had been mutilated. They had embarrassed him. He had went through the worst human suffering known. They even invented a word for it. We call it today excruciating. Break it down. What is excruciating? It means X, out of the crucifixion. It's, it's, they, had, they didn't even have a word to describe the pain that, would, that someone would suffer through this crucifixion process. He, he did all of that in the midst of the public. I know when we have the pictures of him, he's wearing clothes, but he was naked, fully naked, exposed. They wanted to embarrass. They wanted him to be ashamed. They wanted to put him on display. And at the end of that, Peter, James, John, Mary are weeping and mourning because they had lost their Savior. It looked bad. We know it was good, but it didn't look that way. If you would have walked up to the foot of the cross on that day and said, hey, guys, I know this looks really bad, but guess what? Like, this is a really good thing. Peter would have cut you. <laughs> Y'all know Peter's crazy. He wouldn't even wait. He wouldn't, <laughs> where goes one of your ears? You know what I'm saying? It looked bad. It looked like Herod won. It looked like Pontius Pilate won. It looked like those religious leaders won. It looked like the devil himself won. But when the stone was rolled away, he wasn't in there, which tells me that while it looked like he was defeated, he was actually victorious. He went and took the keys. See, he wasn't just dead. He was sleeping. Just like Lazarus, they were tripping. Jesus wasn't even worried about it because why? Jesus knew he's only sleeping. And when he said that to them, they were confused because he had been dead for four days. But you have to know this, that nothing is too dead that Jesus can't wake it up. And I don't know what you're looking at right now that seems lifeless and hopeless. But if the resurrection power of Jesus touches it today... It can be resurrected to fullness and life. It doesn't always matter what it looks like. Sometimes it's a challenge to see what you believe with your spiritual eyes and not just with your optical vision. Jesus chooses a very out-of-the-box way of healing this man. Now, we know that Jesus is God, so he can do whatever he wants to do. I think Jesus oftentimes did miracles in different ways because he didn't want us to get him down to a formula. So, like, we knew how he was going to do what he was going to do in our lives. So he would just switch it up sometimes. This time, it's way out of the box. First thing I want you to see about this miracle is that Jesus stoops down where this blind man is. He stoops down and he picks up some dirt. This was his first step in healing a blind man. He picks up the dirt. He reaches down into the dirt. Now, uh, you got to know this. The dirt is a picture of something. It's a picture of you and me. It's a picture of our humanity. It's a picture. Dirt in the Bible represents us. Why? Because it represents where we came from. We started from the dirt, started from the bottom. Now we're here. In the beginning, Genesis 2, God reached down into the dirt of the earth and he would, he would breathe his life into us. His ruach, his, his breath, his spirit into us. He created everything, but we were the only thing that he chose to breathe into. We were the only thing that quite literally took his breath away. He gave us his spirit. But remember where we started. We started from dirt. We started from the literal dust of the earth. Now, this, this could bother you, you know. 
if you, if you think about it too long, because why, God, if, if, if we are your most prized possession, why did you choose the literal dust of the earth, everything you created, the dust of the earth? Why would you choose that to create us? Like, you're God. We're your most prized possession. We are the people that you would not only give your life to, but you would give your life for through your son, Jesus. Why the dirt? You couldn't have chose to, like, pull me out of, like, the sun? Or create me out of the beautiful Rocky Mountains or carve me out of a planet out in your beautiful creation in the solar system or in the Milky Way galaxy. Like, like I'm, I'm thinking, like, you could have used anything, but you reached down into this little blue marble we call Earth on the grand scheme of all of creation. And you reached out to the dust of that, and that's what you chose. But one day it hit me. It hit me. I get it now. Why did he choose to create us from the dirt? Well, dirt is the location necessary for seeds. Dirt is the necessary element for seeds to produce. And God says, I did not create you from the opulence and the splendor of the majestic creation you see around you. Because I wanted to create something that when I give it something, it produces something. So God says, I created you so that when I speak a thing, I see a thing. When I deposit a thing, I can withdraw a thing. God says, everything I'm doing in your life, it's, 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 it's a seed planted in the fertile soil of your life so that faith produces from what I invested. See, see the dirt, the dirt is a picture of who we are. Dirt is a picture of how God can take even the failures that you've experienced and make it fertilizer. Uh, see, see, God loves playing in the dirt, even from the beginning when he created us from the dirt. Now Jesus reaches down in the same dirt God used to create man. Now he reaches down in dirt to create something in a man. And, and he, he, he puts an intimate part of himself, his saliva, much like the breath of God, into this dirt. But you got to know this about the dirt too. <laughs> the dirt is the place where he had been dwelling for years. Trying to get a miracle, hoping that one day maybe this man named Jesus who he had heard about would make his way through his town. See, you got to understand that for this man sitting on the side of this road, he had heard stories about Jesus. Now, I learned in science class the one time I paid attention, I think. I learned that when you are missing one of your five senses, that other senses Will be, will be heightened, that your brain will compensate. And so if you have no vision, you are a very good listener oftentimes. So this man has been a really good listener about this water walker, this man who claimed to be the Messiah, this man who claimed to be uh, the king that was sent from heaven and who could also heal people, even the blind. And as he hears Jesus is approaching, he's dwelling in the dirt. See, in those days... They would sit on these roads, on the side of the road, and they would beg people. In those days, if you had an affliction like this, you were actually considered an outcast to society. You would be ostracized. If you were sick, if you were paralyzed, you were, you were a beggar on the side of the road. And for years, he had been begging from the dirt, living in the dirt, dwelling in the dirt. And Jesus chooses the dirt to become part of the miracle. So he was sitting on a piece of his miracle the whole time. 
You may think you're so far from your miracle. You may think there's no way God could do this for me. You may think I've already gone too far. I'm too deep. I'm too far removed. I've prayed too many times. I've come to too many altars. But you may be right where he wants you. You may already be in the right environment because hear me, what people call dirt, God calls opportunity. And God says, I'll take your fears, I'll take your failures, I'll take your testimony, and I'll make all of that a platform so that people see my works and see my glory. Are you with me? He takes the dirt, uh, the dirt that represents my humanity, my beginning, the dirt that represents even the mess I find myself in, God says, I'm going to use that. And I love that the Bible says he spits into the dirt, makes some mud, and puts it on the man's eye. i got to deal with this for a second. Not his eyelids. In my mind's imagination, in my, in my mind's eye, I've often pictured this, that Jesus put this mud over the man's eyelids. I mean, he's blind. His eyes are already closed. But, 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 but the Bible didn't say eyelids. The Bible says eyes. Could it be that Jesus literally peeled back the surface, uh, peeled back what was on the outside, peeled back those lids so that he could literally put the mud on the man's eyes because many times we want him to touch us, but we want him to touch what's on the outside. We don't want to let him touch what really needs to be healed. You've been praying, God, get me out of debt. And God says, no, let me touch that selfishness. Let me touch that thing that's got you shopping for things you can't afford. You've been praying, God, I need you to heal me in my heart because I'm, I'm perverted in some of my thoughts. God's saying, no, no, no. I need to get to the root of that thing. I need to go back to when you were a child and you saw some things and experienced some things and you still have that wound and that fracture. I want to touch what really needs to be touched. His saliva in the dirt. Why? Because an intimate part of his DNA had to be in the process here. See, he tells him after he puts this mud on him, he says, now go to the pool of Siloam. Now, if I'm this dude, At this point, I'm a little done with this situation. Can I just be real? I know I'm a pastor and a preacher. But if I was hoping to get my miracle, and the first thing you're going to do is put some spit and some mud on me and then tell me to go take a bath in a pool I can't even see. How much, can you take me there, Jesus? Please lead me by the hand. Like, I don't know what's happening right now. This man was probably expecting that Jesus was going to approach him and say something really spiritual and heal him. But he doesn't hear Jesus speak up in a spiritual tone and say, I have now come in the name of myself, of course, to healeth thine eyes, receiveth this touch today. No! What does this man hear? (laughs) Okay, okay, what was that? Like, what's this going to happen here? And he puts it on his eyes. What is it about this man that he doesn't walk away? What is it about this man that he doesn't say, no, that's okay. I don't really need all that. What is it about this man that he lets Jesus touch him in this way? I think it's that sometimes we have to get to the place where we are so sick and tired of our condition that we say, Lord, whatever you have to do in my life, I don't care if you got to do something I didn't want you to do. I don't care if you got to put something else on me, although I already had a struggle. Do whatever you got to do. 
He says, whatever it takes. I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, I see it full of people just like this man. People who needed a miracle, and they came in a humble way, not too dignified, not too important, not too self-certified. No, there was a woman who crawled through the mud to get to him, just to touch the hem of his garment. Oh, there was somebody else who said, our friend needs to be healed. We're going to carry him to the house, and we can't get in the house. Let's break open the roof and let's lower him to Jesus. You got to get to the place where you say, whatever you got to do, Jesus, whatever you got to do, whatever you need from me, I need a miracle. This man lets Jesus touch him and then he takes the walk. Now, we don't know how far exactly he walked. He may have walked 50 feet. He may have walked five miles. We're not a, we're not 100% certain on how long the journey was to get to the pool. But I need you to know this pool of Siloam was not a random place to wash off what was a dirty thing. No, this pool was significant because the pool of Siloam, oh, on Pentecost Sunday, you got to get this. This pool was the very same pool that the priests on the Feast of Tabernacles, which, by the way, they are days removed from this feast, the priests would get a container of water from this pool of Siloam and go into the temple every day and pour out this water from this pool over the altar to signify God pouring out his spirit in the latter days. Now this is really important when you understand that this water in this pool was sent from a source on the outside of the city. It was from a place called the spring of Gihon and this water would come through a tunnel. This stream of water that Hezekiah, this tunnel that Hezekiah helped build, it would come into their city and they would always have a continual life-giving source of water. That even if they were under attack outside the walls of their city, they would be vulnerable. But on the inside, they would have a fresh source of life. Water that was always flowing. Water that, like a gift. Oh yeah, now it makes sense why Siloam means sent. Because this water from the outside was sent to help them, sent, to comfort them, sent, to give them life. It reminds me of what Jesus said to his disciples, the very last words he would say on this planet before he went to heaven, before he ascended, after his death. He said, don't leave the city, but wait for the gift my Father will send you. Wait for the gift my Father will send you. This pool was significant. Same source of water that they would take containers of water and pour out over the head of the kings of the house of David to signify God's spirit on them and that they were anointed as king. This was significant. And just like dirt in the Bible represents our humanity, hear me, water in your Bible represents the Holy Spirit. It's a type. It's a shadow. It's a picture. It's a sign that points to something greater. Water was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And so it makes sense that Jesus, after he touches him, instructs him to receive this water. See, you got to understand that even in John's gospel, we see water over and over and over and over again. Because remember, there's four gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. They give us a synopsis of the life of Jesus. However, John, though he gives us a piece of that, John is a little different. 
than Matthew, Mark, and Luke because John is what we know as the spiritual gospel because he veers from the norm of just giving the synopsis and he writes from a spiritual vantage point concerning the life and the works of Jesus because after all, John was the disciple whom Jesus loved and he would lay his head upon the chest of this Jesus and hear his heartbeat, hear his spirit. John writes different and over and over and over. He connects Jesus to this picture of the Holy Spirit. He connects him to water and before you think I'm just postulating erroneous theology today, let's take a walk on the waters of John's gospel, shall we? John chapter 1, Jesus is baptized in water. John chapter 2, Jesus transforms water into wine. John chapter 3, Jesus tells a man named Nicodemus, if you're searching for truth, you must be born of water and the spirit. John chapter 4, Jesus approaches a woman at a well trying to get a drink and trying to satisfy and quench her thirst through husband after husband, man after man. And Jesus says to her in John 4, if you keep drinking this water, you're going to stay thirsty. But if you would drink this living water, you would never thirst again. Uh, John chapter 5, Jesus goes to another pool. This is the pool of Bethesda where people were sick, lame, and paralyzed and meets a man who had been an invalid for 38 years and he had been waiting on an angel to come and stir up the water. John chapter 6, Jesus walks on. Water. John chapter 7, Jesus stands up, hear me, at the Feast of Tabernacles we just talked about and says these words, let any man who is thirsty come to me and drink and rivers of living water will flow from within them. Is it just me or are you noticing a pattern in John's gospel? John wants you to know that Jesus and the Holy Spirit go ahead. While there are churches all over America today who won't even mention that this is Pentecost Sunday because they are more concerned with their run sheets and their production and all the things they got to say in their current message series and more concerned with being relevant, they forget to be reverent to the Holy Spirit on this day. Listen, God poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost and he has been pouring out his spirit ever since. It wasn't for 2,000 years ago. It's for right here and right now. Over and over we see water. Oh, so it makes sense then why, why Jesus, when he was on the cross, he was pierced in his side and out came blood and water. What was at the foot of the cross? So glad you asked. Dirt. The first thing that came out of his side was blood. We have scientific evidence that because of what he suffered on the cross, asphyxiation, and his heart suffered what's called hypovolemic shock, that there would have been a membrane of fluid behind his heart that would have literally burst. His heart literally broke for us. So when they pierced him in the side, they hit the heart, and out came blood. Or they hit his wound, out came blood. And after the blood came out, then the water came out. Why? The blood had to touch the dirt first. Then the water had to touch the dirt second because you need the blood of Jesus to save you. But then you need the power of the Holy Ghost to empower you and enable you to do everything you've been called to do. Come on, if you believe that, make some noise. Do I have any Holy Ghost people at South Metro who know his power in your life? Yeah. 
Oh, I can't live without the Holy Spirit. I can't breathe without the Holy Spirit. He's my breath already anyway. Why would I think I can do this without praying in the Spirit? Why would I think I could be an effective evangelist without having the gifts of the Spirit? Why do I think I can speak life over someone when I know the gift of prophecy comes with the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Hear me. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit today, this is not a message to condemn you. This is a message to let you know the Holy Spirit's already inside of you anyway. So why wouldn't you just ask God for more? Pour out your spirit in my life in a new way and in a fresh way in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. See, God loves giving free refills. So for those of us who have prayed in the Spirit, those of us who have been baptized in the Spirit, on Pentecost Sunday today, you can throw up your hands and say, I want more. I want a refill. I want more of your power. I want more of your Spirit. I want to get back to the place of my passion again. Yeah, I feel something pushing now. See, see, my message today is really, it's quite simple. It's the same message you can find on the packaging of instant products. Things like Quaker instant oatmeal. Easy mac and cheese. Thank you, Jesus. Ramen noodles. Hallelujah. Somebody just, you just went back to your college days. Woo. Just add water. Here's the message. If your situation feels like dirt, just add water. If you need an instant miracle in your life, just add water. Many people today are going to church to worship God and receive Jesus, but they forgot about the third person. He is a triune God, the Trinity. So I have to understand the Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not a power. It's not goosebumps. No, it's a person. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants to ride in the car with you. He wants to get out of the bed in the morning with you. He wants to comfort you in your time of need. He wants to be the provider of that peace that will surpass all your understanding. He wants to be the person that enables you by the gift that he has in you to do what it is you're called to do. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean you don't have a relationship with God. It just means there's more. The reason why many people don't pray in tongues and pray in the spirit is because they have been lied to by the devil that praying in tongues does nothing. And when you study the scripture, you'll find out it's quite the opposite. Because I'm stirring myself up in my most holy faith and when I pray to God in the Holy Spirit, I don't even have to know what I'm praying. Scripture supports that he's actually praying through me. Ah. Oh. So when I don't have the words to say, I let out those inner groanings. When I don't have any solution to the problem, I, I just pray in the spirit. Some of you know what I'm talking about. That 18-wheeler starts coming over in your lane. You just, oh, bah, 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 shan, da, da, bah. you start praying in the spirit because you know you need something on high to help you. There are moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas in the room that while there is a prodigal son in your family and you have prayed yourself till you cried yourself to sleep and you one day just said, I can't pray it anymore. I just got to tap into the spirit. I give them to you, oh God. And you just began to pour out a heavenly prayer language. Like never before, this church is well taught and they do really well in their teaching and training and discipleship. So I encourage you, the more questions you have, go to these classes, come to these meetings, come to these, these, these tracks and, and learn what it is to, to have this gift 
that has gifts that keep on giving tongues, interpretation of tongues, healing, miracles, faith. Faith, by the way, is the, it's the gift that is the key that unlocks all the other gifts, but it all comes by the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? On the day of Pentecost, when they were all gathered together like we are gathered together in this room, like a mighty rushing wind, the Spirit came and invaded the place. Why? Because they were gathered together in a room and they were lifting up their worship and their expectancy and I found out about God anytime you want to add the water anytime you want to experience His Spirit's power you can just open up your mouth and start praising because the Bible says out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. It says in one verse, it says that God comes and he sits on the throne of my praise. So when I begin to worship and thank him, his spirit comes and resides where I am. In Matthew, I believe it is Matthew chapter 12, it says this about demons. Demons dwell where there is no water. One translation says demons dwell where, where, where places that are arid or dry. Because the demons that have been trying to attack you and oppress you, when you begin to de- dive into the spirit and you begin to step into this realm of, this, of the Holy Spirit and you begin to worship when you feel like you don't have a reason to and you begin to pray things that you don't even know how to pray, all of a sudden demons have to start running out of the room because they can't dwell where the Holy Spirit dwells. The devil himself can't even understand your your human, your, 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 your prayers as a human. He understands your language, but he doesn't understand that heavenly language. It's like when you're when you use a debit card on the internet. I'm about to help somebody understand this. When you use your debit card, if you use a card on the internet, what happens is, is when you're using your money in a bank, the, the, the internet encrypts your data. So that enemies, crooks, thieves can't steal your identity and what you have. So it encrypts it. When you pray in the spirit, it's the same thing. It's, it's, you are encrypting your prayers. The enemy doesn't even understand. The author of confusion is confused himself because you are praying on a level he can't even, he can't even. There is a dimension of his spirit where demons can't follow. The thing that has been oppressing you can't go where you're invited, but you can. Why wouldn't you want more of him today on Pentecost Sunday? He's your comforter. He's your helper. He's your provision. He's your peace. He's your strength. He will enable you to do what you're called to do. I want us to do something. I'm going to need the band to help me for a moment, but I want everybody in the room to stand up on your feet. And I want to do something. I, I want to ask for some crowd participation, and we're going we're gonna to turn this place into a praise room for just a moment. Mm-hmm. See, we're going to add the water. The way we add the water is we open up our mouth and we begin to call on him. We begin to praise him. We begin to invoke his presence and invite his spirit. So on the count of three, we're going to open up our mouths and we're going to praise God like we really believe he's about to show up. Just like he did on the day of Pentecost. Are you ready? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to find somebody next to you and I need you to, I need you to say, excuse me, neighbor. I don't know about you, but I'm about to add the water. Some of y'all are too nervous. I want you to find somebody else. Say, hey, somebody else. I'm about to add the water in this room. 
Now I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to praise him like you know he's about to invade this place. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to pour it out? Come on. When you pour, he pours. Ready? One, two, three. Open up your mouth. Come on, begin to invite him in. worshiping right now. His spirit is invading this place. Yeah, just like that. Just like that. Without a band, without the musicians, they are just going to continue to play lightly behind. But right now, I want you to, I want you to open up your mouth. And here's what I want you to do: If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, we're about to pray in the Spirit like tongues of fire. Remember what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says when they started praying in the Spirit and they started inviting the Holy Spirit in this fresh new way, what happened? It said that people thought they had had too much wine. What they didn't know is they had had too much water. Ah, they were in stepping into a new dimension ah, for that gift that if you invite it, it'll be sent to you right where you are, your family, your marriage, your relationship, your future, your career. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, right where you are, I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, baptize me now. I receive the fullness 
of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on, the same way you ask Jesus to save you, ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you right now. Come on, come on, don't seek a baptism, seek a baptizer. The Holy Spirit will baptize you. Oh, with fire. Oh, with fire. Oh, with fire. What does fire do? It burns away things that don't need to belong there anymore. Oh, what does fire do? It illuminates the dark areas so that you can walk on that path. What does fire do? Oh, it brings power. Right where you are. Some of you are going to begin to pray in the Spirit for the very first time. You've never prayed in the Spirit. I want you to open up your mouth. Don't wait on Him to make you do it. Sometimes the first time you pray in the Spirit just sounds like a few syllables. Come on, it's not your language. It's not your mind. It's the language of the Holy Spirit. And it is powerful. Holy Spirit, like a fresh wind. Yeah, 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 you're going to get peace again. Your marriage will not end. It will be stronger than it's ever been. Because it's not by human effort. Uh, it's not by your own works, but it's by His Spirit. What a sweet sound. The Bible calls it a sweet aroma, actually. Our prayers, our worship. I can't get away from what I feel right now. And sometimes when we begin to enter into a spiritual atmosphere like this, like when Mary broke that box in that house and it changed the, the odor began to spread throughout that house. Uh, this extravagant offering changed the atmosphere. There is a shift in our atmosphere right now. And I believe there's an anointing here for people to be healed in a miraculous way in your body. If you're in this room and you need to be healed in your body right now, there is a God who is able to heal. Uh-huh. I don't care how many reports, how many times you've had prayer, how many times the doctor said it's impossible. He is a way maker. He'll make a way out of no way. Uh-huh. I'm not Benny Hinn, but I serve the same God with the same power and the same anointing. And I believe that if you're in this room and you need to be healed, right now is your moment. Yeah. Arthritis is being touched today. Uh-huh. A barren womb is gonna is gonna open up today. Uh-huh. I know you don't even like to talk about it. You're embarrassed by it. You you feel like the one thing you should be able to do as a woman, you haven't been able to do. You feel like the one thing you should be able to provide as a man is the seed you feel like you can't provide. And you feel like you're going through the motions and maybe it's time to look at other options. Someone in this room is about to get blessed. God says, I'm going to do it. God says, I'm going to heal you. God says, it's going to be a testimony. You will have children, says the Lord. Someone's going to be healed of arthritis. Someone, uh, someone's going to be healed of, of neck pain. Neck pain that you can't even look in a certain direction. Uh-huh. Scoliosis of the spine. Get ready. Uh-huh. Breathing issues. Sinus issues. Sinusitis. Allergies. Asthma. I just sense there's an anointing for breathing issues. Uh-huh. To be healed today. 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 Yeah. Sprained ligaments. Uh-huh. Torn muscles. 
uh -huh, vertebrae that's been damaged because of an accident. There's an anointing here to heal, to heal, to heal. Stomach ulcers are about to dissipate. If you're in this room and you know that there is a growth or a tumor on your body, the power of God is available to melt that tumor in the name of Jesus. Yeah, eyes, eyes that need to be healed. Eyes because of some kind of uh, limitation, some kind of vision issue. There's, there's going to be healing that's going to take place in the next few moments. Uh-huh, yep, yep, yep. Lower back pain. Ah, something in the heel of someone's foot. Uh-huh, the heel. The heel. Very specific now. Not just the foot, the heel. If you're in this room, I, I, gotta, I gotta hurry now. If you're in this room, whether I called out something just now that you need to be touched or if I didn't even come close, but you know, you know that God could touch you right where you are. Then by the power of God's presence, and the power of his spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, can bring liberation to your life in the area physically that needs it most, in the areas emotionally, uh-huh, I'm after you too, that needs it most, to pull back the surface and heal what needs to be healed. Blinded eyes, deaf ears, back issues, chronic pain, whew, nerve pain that when you when when you when you move a certain way if you if you pull that or pinch that nerve you become incapacitated you become unable to walk for days at a time god's going to align you in a way that a chiropractor hasn't been able to and i don't mean disrespect when i say that there's something that's going to take place instantly that's one of the gifts of the holy spirit there's the, gift of there's the gift of healing, but there's also the gift of miracles, which means it can happen right here, right now. If you need to be healed in your body, very specific instruction before we close, I want you to put one hand high in the air and say, that's me. And if you see somebody with a hand up, I need you to be the hands and the feet of Jesus right now. Turn to them, lay your hand on them if you have faith for them to be healed right where they are. Come on, let's take the next 30 seconds and pray. Pray with power, pray with authority. It's by the stripes of Jesus that we can be healed. It's by the stripes of Jesus that we can be healed. In the name of Jesus, you are able, you are able to do.
Now here's the fun part. I need you right where you are, right where you are, and I'm done. Right where you are, I need you to check yourself. Yeah, I need you to do something you couldn't do before. If you couldn't move a limb in a, in, a, in, a, in a certain direction, try it. If you couldn't bend over and touch your toes, try it. If you couldn't run, go outside if you got to. Do whatever you got to do. Check yourself. Is the pain that was there still there? Is the feeling that was there still there? Can you move in a way you couldn't move? Now take a few moments. Take a few moments. I'm trying to do this the right way. I'm trying to do this with order. Check yourself. Check yourself. Check the ear. Check your breath. Check that breathing. Check that pain. Check yourself. Check yourself. Are you doing it? Are you moving? Are you, are you checking? Yeah, I see people already praising God. Here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, just testify. If you got healed, not like, I mean, in faith, yeah. No, something changed. You feel it. Something's different. It changed right here, right now. On the count of three, throw a hand high in the air. One, two, three. Quickly, right where you are. Look at all those hands. Come on. That is a reason to open up your mouth and give him a worthy praise. That's cute, and that would be good if this was for a golf tournament. But I want you to make some noise for people who just got a miracle from the Lord. Watch this. That's just a preview of what happens when you add the Holy Spirit to the equation. You need to be saved. You need to be discipled. You need to be baptized in water. But you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to experience him in his fullness. Hear me. I believe in these latter days, God is going to pour out his spirit in a greater capacity than we've ever known in the history of our known existence as believers and as followers of Jesus. In the latter days, we will experience a fresh outpouring of his spirit. Will you be a conduit of that spirit? This is the question. I know you got dirt. I know you got messy situations. My question is, is do you have water? Is the spirit active in your life? Come on, if you got something from the Lord, make some noise as Pastor JC comes. My name is Daniel Gray. I've loved being here and I'll be back again soon, I'm sure. Come on, give God a praise one last time. Hallelujah. Would you let my friend know what a wonderful day? Oh my goodness. Daniel, love you, man. Should we invite him back? I think so too. I think so too. It's an open invitation. Thank you so much. I, I know that uh, it's 12, it's 1247 on the dot, but if you got another moment, can you just lift your hands? Come on, I just feel this, this so strong here. Come on, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Could you guys sing that Holy Spirit? You're welcome here. Come on. Just for a moment here. Come on. Blood of this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your breath. Come on, can we sing it again? Come on. Not just in this room, but more importantly in our hearts. Come on. 
Jesus. Your presence, Lord. I just, I want, I want to leave you with one thought. I, even if I could come and tag on to that, I wouldn't. There's nothing that could be added to what God spoke through Pastor Daniel. But I, I, want, I want to leave you with this thought. Today is a defining moment for two reasons. Number one, it's a defining moment in your lives personally. Many of you filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the gift of tongues. Many of you refilled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Many of you delivered and set free and healed physically. Come on, that is a defining moment. Can you give me a good amen right there? As a matter of fact, there, there is a card like this, a prayer card in the seats in front of you. If you've given your heart to the Lord today, if you've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, we, you've got to let us know. Let us know because there are now next steps that you need to take in your journey that we want to partner along with you so that you can continue to pursue the things of God while you're on this earth. So please drop this off at the next steps counter. Take it to the VIP experience if you're a first time guest. It is a defining moment in so many of your lives. But secondly, it's a defining moment in mine and Kimberly's leadership as your pastors. This is now our eighth Sunday that we've been privileged to stand in front of you. And the reason why I say it's a defining moment is because of this, and then I'll let you go. It's important for you to know this. I will never apologize for being a spirit-filled church. Come on, somebody. I will never apologize for being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit myself. The day that God saved me, September 12th of 1999, he saved me, called me into the ministry, filled me with the power of the Holy Spirit. I received the gift of tongues in that moment, and I pray in tongues every single day, and I'm not ashamed of it. Now, here's what the enemy does, though. The enemy dresses up Pentecostalism in a way that turns people off. And here's what I've learned in all my years of ministry. Many people aren't turned off to the idea of the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're not turned off by the idea of the power of the Holy Spirit. They're turned off by weird church services. They're turned off by weird packaging. The enemy has packaged the Holy Ghost in a way that is turning people off. Let me tell you, there is nothing kooky and there is nothing weird about the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Watch this. People are weird. Come on, people are weird. But the person of the Holy Spirit is not weird. There is nothing weird about this moment today. And some of you in this room, and I felt this, many of you delivered feeling God move. And then there are some of you that are skeptical. What kind of church is this? What kind of service was that? I'll tell you what kind of church it is. It's one that believes this Bible in its entirety. Right here. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ over, watch this, over 800 times in this Bible, the Spirit of God is mentioned. 
In the Old Testament, he's known as the Ruach of God. In the New Testament, he's known as the Pneuma of God. And you and I, we can have access to the person of the Holy Spirit right here, right now, on this day of Pentecost. Hey, so guess what? We're Pentecostals. We, we are Pentecostals. And the older I get, the more proud of that I am. You and I, we need a power that goes beyond our human ability to watch. And then you're done. I'm not even going to pray for you. You can leave when I say this. You need a power to face the hell you're about to walk into when you leave this room. You need that power. Seek the baptizer when you leave. Ask God to fill you with this power so that you can face life and all of its trouble. And with this power, you can be more than conquerors. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Love on somebody as you go. We'll see you next week here.